All right. So yesterday talked about telling ways to tell fact from fiction, like literally metrics you can use to help step outside yourself and look to see if something, the, the veracity of something, the truthfulness of something. Today, I want to talk about two articles that do this really, or two, one book and an article that do this very, very well that I think you should read, especially if you're out there thinking like, there's nobody I can trust. It's so confusing out there. So read, read these read these sources and it's going to help you. And, part, and just to be very frank, part of the reason people are having a hard time trusting anything is there's just so much information that people are just getting overloaded. And just the fact that they're getting overloaded makes them shut down, not the fact that like there's false or bad information. You know, just, if there's too much, we just shut down and just throw our hands up and say, we give up, right? But um, anyway, there's so two resources that you can use to help make sense of nonsense. Um, <laughs> and sometimes you can't make sense of nonsense, uh, but oftentimes there is a uh, there is sense in nonsense and we just haven't learned to see it yet. And these two resources can help you do that. All right, so the first one is Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. So this is a book, uh, really, really entertaining read. Like it's, it, you can learn a lot as well, but it's just like, it's a freaking like, novel almost it's it's nonfiction book but ryan holiday um he said he, he dubs himself a media manipulator and for years he worked for i think american apparel and uh what he did was they would he just used the media and public relations to get to generate interest so that people came and bought their product and he would do this for a lot of people so one of the uh one of the his clients or friends, I don't know which, maybe it's both, is Tucker Carlson. I don't know anything really about Tucker Carlson, but in the book, he explains how this guy was promoting a very uh, divisive, um, divisive, or uh, I can't look for the word right now, uh, film, like not a very controversial film. And so what he did to make it even more controversial and get publicity for it is they bought a billboard for the film on like a really busy highway. And then as soon as they put the billboard up, like he went like under cover of darkness and defaced it himself. Like he bought the billboard and then he defaced the billboard. And then he sent an anonymous tip to a local news station saying, hey, someone defaced this billboard. And the news, like local news station picked it up and then went and reported on it. And uh, and then like it, it turned to this big thing, like, oh, someone, this, this controversial film is like, so controversial that someone actually like climbed up this this thing and defaced the, you know, billboard. Like, wow, it must be really like, there must be strong emotions associated with this. And then like he would do things like that. Um, and also he would send people that were anti this film. He'd send like really provocative emails to the organizations under like different aliases to get them to say or comment stuff and just really crazy things so that they just got a ton of PR. And so in the book, he talks about a lot of these techniques that he uses, he used and other people used to, to manipulate the media for their own ends. And it's just totally like the stories in there are like, holy cow, they're just totally crazy. Um, one of the big things he, one of the techniques that he talks about in the book is called trading up the chain. And so in today's news cycle, one of the like, one of the biggest weaknesses of it is that people have to have like the timely, like timely news, like first to report something means like they get the most views or like clicks. And if you get the most clicks, you get, you know, bigger advertising dollars. And so in order to get like, but the problem is with that, like if someone's quick to report that also like brings in the the possibility that they, the reporting could be false. 
And so what this is this book was written back when blogs were a lot bigger, but blogs would someone someone wanted to do it like a, a publish a story or get it in the mainstream media. What they would do is have pay a small time blogger to report about it. So even though there was not any truth to the story, they would pay someone to report about on a small time blog and then a bigger blog that was looking for a story would find it there. They'd report on it, but they would absolve themselves of liability by saying this other blog reported about this rumor. You know, let's say it's like a company going out of business or a celebrity rumor or something like that. Right. And then that then a not like a bigger blog or a news local news station that was looking for stories saw with monitors these blogs for those kind of like quick stories but also to be to absolve liability from themselves because they can't say like hey we found this story and this is true we're saying this other place is reporting that this story is true we don't know if it's true or not but they're reporting it and then that would like trade up the chain to different like big big news networks and sometimes like cnn or these like new york times like actually new york times is pretty good but these big media outlets would would take those stories and run with them but also have no liability because they didn't originally report it they're reporting on the reporting kind of interesting um so i like i don't know if someone did this but it would be really crazy if like 10 years from now we went back and like the toilet paper companies like specifically placed people in certain areas to make a run on toilet paper. And then that like started a viral chain of like, Oh, people are making a run on toilet paper and it's only in America. And so that like story traded up the chain. So people went and bought a ton of toilet paper, not saying they did that. Um, but there are similar stories where like they would push articles or push like stories like that. So they could get virality around the internet and get either views or like sell a product or whatever. It was really interesting. So that's just like a quick story from that. Um, but if you want to learn more about how the media world works, um, the good and the bad, like check that book out. And it's it's a very good resource to help like cut through a lot of the BS. And specifically, you can like he teaches you how newspapers and media companies word things so that they're not liable for something, but it looks like it could be the truth. It's actually not. And if you read the words the like correctly, it shows it's very clear like oh they're they're wording something this way so that they're absolved of liability. But when people read it, they interpret it as true, even though they're not saying it's true. It's and 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 there's also like ways there are articles that do the same thing. So trust me, I'm lying by Ryan Holiday, amazing book. Uh, the next one is my personal like favorite author right now is Ray Dalio. So Ray, if you don't know who Ray Dalio is. He's a businessman, hedge funder, um, or hedge fund manager, and just God, so like he's a freaking genius. Really, really smart guy. He wrote Principles. It's a really good book as well. But right now he's publishing a, a series uh, which will turn into a book called The Changing World Order. And what he does is he shows you his research methodology of how he gets to find a conclusion. And it's cool because like. He's obviously really successful at this because he's predicted some of the major market crashes around the world, not just like the 2008 one, but other countries as well. And he's used that to like help manage like billions of dollars, um, billions and billions of dollars for not only like companies, but countries in his own like portfolio as well. So he's a trusted source because he has a record of like being right a lot. And uh, one of the things he does for like this kind of crisis actually 
is he goes to like the smartest people in the world. He just interviews them and they work together to find like certain look for certain patterns that help better give predictive models of what will happen in the future. And so the, and he uses principles to help guide the believability of that person. So like, it's a really good read. I'll talk about the believability scale a little bit here and then like feel free to go check those resources out, but they'll give you a lot of clarity among all the confusion. Um, it's really, really comforting to just have other perspectives to help you like give a help provide a barometer so that during all the craziness, you can start to see like cut through the BS and things make a lot more, the world makes a lot more sense. Um, but one thing that Ray Dalio uses is called the believability um, scale or factor or dot system. There's a few different things he uses, but um, basically what he says is that um, not everyone's opinion is created equal. Some people have a more valid opinion in, in certain fields than others. And so in his company, what he does is they have a, a, a dot collector or this believability scale that basically says if someone's, let, let's just take the example of like baseball. Let's say someone in the company was good at predicting who would win the World Series and they were right nine out of 10 times because they had certain a methodology. That person would be very, very believable about picking winning baseball teams, right? And so they would have like a 10 on the believability scale for baseball. That same person though, maybe was really, really bad. I'm not saying they use baseball. I'm just saying that's like a easy example was like really, really bad at finding good restaurants, right? So like they just didn't have a sense of smell at all. And so they can never taste the food as good. And their believability scale on like taste was like a two, right? And so like people, everybody has opinions, but some opinions are more valuable than others. And they would use, they have like a, a system of like a little software within their company that measures certain factors. It's probably not baseball. It's probably not taste. Um, but it's like predicting, you know, currency devaluations or, um, find like looking at certain signals to, I, I don't know the investing world. So I'm going to get like way out of my league and sound really stupid if I keep talking. Um, but they, they collect certain, or, you know, maybe someone's really good at managing people and, and picking people that like putting people in a good position to succeed while others are, are better at managing like software or programs. Right. And so that's the same thing with these crises. Like you can't just, everybody has an opinion. That doesn't mean everybody's opinion is weighted equal. And so what you can do is you can go look at people's track records of working with certain situations and see how good they are at like figuring this out, right? So for example, I'm going to put myself out there and predict a few things that I probably could be wrong, but the like South Koreans have done very, very well with this crisis. And so what can we learn from what they're doing and then model it, right? So that's like, they're very believable because they've succeeded well. And that's something we can trust and do. A lot of people are like, well, let's just, they don't even like look at another country. They just look at what's happening here and make their like evaluations based off that. Like very few people like, oh, they hear South Korea. That's great. They're doing this, but they're not going to actually take a deep dive into what they're doing, like testing, like monitoring, tracing or whatever. Right. So that's like, that's something if you wanted to take a real world example for right now of believability and move from there. Now, like another thing people are really struggling with is like this whole conspiracy theory stuff, right? So that's that's a really hard believability scale because it's hard to prove. So you have to be really careful with someone that's 
trying to assign nefarious like things to certain organizations when there's not a ton of proof, right? And even though it's nice to believe that or, or we want to believe it, if we can't prove it, then we just have to be careful, okay? So trust me, I'm lying. Ryan Holiday, Ray Dalio, Changing World Order, or read his book, Principles. If you do those two books, it's going to help a lot. Um, lastly, another resource is this is not the first time that we've gone through a pandemic. Uh, th these have happened before. And guess what? People reacted the same way. Um, so if you want to go look at like the record or like newspaper articles and clippings from like the 1918 Spanish flu, you can see a lot of parallels and you'll see what happens as we come out of this and how people's behaviors change and don't change and what happens. It's really interesting. Uh, or like, for example, the French Revolution, that was a very tumultuous time. And looking how they handled that, people handled that situation um, is going to give you a lot of a good case study and a good pattern to how people are going to handle this situation. Okay, so hopefully that provides some help to y'all because it can be really crazy and there's a lot of information and filtering it can be quite the chore. So, but if you have a good measuring stick to see what is measuring up to the standard or not, it just provides a lot of comfort. So that's it for today and we'll talk to you guys after the weekend.